We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Lily Griesheimer, and I'm the women's pastor here at Rolling Hills. In today's podcast, we're kicking off our new series, A Beautiful Life, a study in 1 John. As we head into this series, we'll be navigating through the idea of legacy and how the book of 1 John represents the importance of leaving a legacy of love as a Christ follower. We're so excited for part one of this series. Now here's Jeff. Oh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. I'm so glad you're here at our Franklin campus. If you're watching online from somewhere in the city, the country, the world, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, I know that God brought us here today to hear from him, to worship him, and I am so thankful that you're here. You know, last Sunday was amazing, right? Easter Sunday, the resurrection, it was just awesome, and I'm so thankful and so grateful. That same Jesus who came alive on Easter Sunday is the same Jesus who's here today. He is alive. And he wants to change us. You know, Easter's not the end. It's the beginning of us moving forward, of us growing deeper in our walk with the Lord. And so I'm so excited about today and all that God's going to teach us as we grow deeper in him. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 John. 1 John, because we're launching a brand new study today, and we're called A Beautiful Life. That's the life we're called to live. And we're going to be studying this book of the Bible. It's actually a letter. 1 John, and it's all the way kind of toward the back of the New Testament for you, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation, so you're kind of in that back section as you get toward the end of the New Testament, and it's a beautiful letter, I'm telling you. It was a letter that John wrote to all the churches, and they would pass it around, and it was amazing. So let me just kind of set it up for you today that, that John, who wrote this, was the Apostle John. All right, now, now think about that. This guy was with Jesus. I mean, like he walked with Jesus. He was there with Jesus for three years. You may remember that John and his brother James owned a fishing business. Okay, they were fishermen. So back in the Sea of Galilee, they had a fishing business with their dad, Zebedee. They were all kind of in this business together. And then Jesus came by and said, hey, follow me, right? And they're like, he's the Messiah. We're going, right? And so they leave the fishing business. They go off. Their dad takes care of the business for a while. He doesn't know how long they're going to be gone. And so they're off with Jesus. Now imagine, imagine, imagine seeing the miracles happen. He saw them firsthand, right? These things that we read about, he was an eyewitness. And so the deaf can hear, the lame can walk. He's watching Lazarus be raised from the dead. I mean, he's seeing, you know, 5,000 people fed, you know, and he's just like, what is going on? This is amazing. He's hearing all that Jesus taught. I mean, that was an incredible, incredible time. Well, then Jesus is arrested, we saw on Good Friday, right? And taken to the cross. And all the other disciples scattered. Except John. John stayed. John was at the cross. He watched as Jesus died. You know, there were 12 disciples, right? Uh, but there were really three that Jesus poured into. Peter, James, and John. You know, they were kind of the close, that internet group. And then John was known as the disciple Jesus loved. You think about Jesus' best friend, right? And there he is. When Jesus dies on the cross, John is there, aren't you thankful for the people who stay with you? In the hard times, I mean, they're in the good times, there's a lot of people around, but the ones in the hard times, and there's John right there standing next to Mary. Hey, you know, Jesus says, take care of her, and he's like, I got it, you know, I'm gonna do that. And, and then, can you imagine, three days later, when the word comes that, that the tomb is empty, and John goes running with Peter, and he beats him to the tomb, and he goes, and he looks in, and he's like, yes! He's alive, and Jesus shows up at the house, and he, he's like, yes, and he hugs him, and he looks at the nail scars, and he looks at the, the feet, and he's like, my Savior, 
you're alive. You know, and you can just imagine. Well, John spends 40 more days with Jesus. Jesus then ascends into heaven. John's there when Jesus ascends into heaven. I mean, how awesome. Then John, Acts chapter 1 and 2, is there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down in tongues of fire. He's anointed with the Spirit. He goes out, begins to preach, and the church is set on fire. And John's the leader of the church. And all these people coming and people being baptized, lives being changed, kids running around, you know, and just seeing the joy of the Lord. That's John. Then persecution comes, and John's taken off into exile on the island of Patmos. And he's there, right? But then he ends up coming back at some point. He's taken around all these churches, and he's, he's old. And so when he writes this, 1 John, he's probably 85 to 90, maybe even 100 years old, some Bible scholars say, when he writes this. And he's writing this letter to the church and he's going, guys, I want to tell you how to live a beautiful life. <laughs> I want to tell you all the things I've heard and seen from Jesus. I want to tell you how life makes sense through the joys and even the struggles. This is how you do it. And this incredible wisdom that comes to us. Now, I have to tell you that I, I love old people. I just do. I, I, you know, like, like really old people, like 85, 90, 100 years old. Yeah, because here's the thing about old people. You think about your grandparents or your great-grandparents. They don't really care what everybody else thinks, Right? I mean, they're just gonna say it. You're like kind of at a family thing and everybody's thinking something and they'll just gotta blurt it out. Well, you know what you should do, right? And you're like, go grandma. You know, you're just like, you know, she just like says it. You're like, hey, grandma, where'd you get that sweater? She's like, 40 years ago, I got it. It was on sale, you know? You're like, wow, it's coming back. All right, you know, you say, she doesn't care, right? I mean, they're just gonna say what they think. I, I was with an older guy. One time we were at a restaurant and, and you know, he just kind of, you know, he's like 90s on his walk. He just kind of cuts in line and nobody says anything. They're like, all right, go ahead, man. You know, like, all right, you know, it's like, what are you gonna say to him? You know, he's like, I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. And then he sees somebody over there. He's like, I think they're on TV. I'm gonna go ask him. I'm like, it's Nashville. Don't do that, man. He don't care. He just walks up. Hey, you on TV? You know, and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm on this show. They're like, I knew it. I knew it. Hey, everybody. You know, and you're like, okay, man. You know, they don't care, right? I mean, it's just funny. I talked to a lady. She was older, and she's like, you know, I don't ever buy green bananas. And then she goes, because I don't know if I'm going to be here when they're ripening up. So I just, you know, I buy them ripe, you know? And I'm like, all right, you know? So that's the thing, right, with older people. They're just like, I'm going to tell you what is true. I'm going to tell you what makes a difference. And I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks, you know? I'm just going to tell you truth. And that's what you get in 1 John. This guy, older, lived life, been with Jesus, know how the Christian life works, and says, guys, I want you to live it right. I want you to live it well. So, hey, we're gonna just look at chapter one today. It's only 10 verses. It's only 10 verses, but it is deep and it is rich and it is good. So check it out here. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and pull it up there as well. So it says in verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. <laughs> He's like, we have been with Jesus we have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. And he, he calls him the word of life. Now you remember Jesus said this, right? I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. John doesn't spend time like identifying himself or giving a bunch of credentials about who he is. We know as the Apostle John, if you go to the Gospel of John, John wrote the Gospel of John, right? In the beginning, he starts off, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Or he, so the same kind of format. And he says this, that it's all about Jesus. He is the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. That Jesus has always been, right? He is eternal. 
He is from the beginning. He was with the Father. He came to us. He came down to this earth for us to pay the price for our sins. But I love how he talks about that he was the life. The life appeared. We didn't really have life before. We have life now in Christ and eternal life. That this life is not all that there is. There is more to come. And what we do right here impacts eternity. That that is powerful. He says the life appeared. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And so John's like, hey guys, if I could tell you anything, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. Right, because that's how you have fellowship with God. (laughs) That's how you have fellowship with one another. He doesn't spend a lot of time on divisions. He doesn't spend a lot of time on things that are wrong. He just spends time focusing on Jesus. And I love verse four. He says, we write this to make our joy complete. We write this to make our joy complete. You know, if you think about it, right, your joy's not really complete until you share something. You know, you, you, you study hard, you get an A on the test, and what do you want to do? You want to tell everybody, right? I got an A, I got an A, right? Crushed it, you know, you're so excited. Your joy just is kind of released when you share it, when you let people know about it, you know? Or, man, I got this job, I can't wait to tell people. Or, hey, listen, I, I, I got engaged. We got engaged last night. I gotta post it on Instagram, right? That's the fun part, right? I gotta go take pictures. I gotta, that's the joy or the gender reveals, right? I mean, the joy is when you share it, when you let people know, right? And that's when it gets exciting. Your team wins the national championship or whatever it is, right? And you just get excited about that. You want people to know. And John's like, hey, we make our joy complete when we tell what God's doing in our lives. And so I wanna share what's happening. I wanna share what's going on. And then he dives into this, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So he kind of goes into this whole thing about God is light. Light represents purity. So holy God, (laughs) sinful man, right? But he says God is light. He is pure, he is holy. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So this is a circular letter, it's going to all these churches and some of the churches back then, some of these early churches that have sprung up, some of them started to look more like culture than like Christ. And John's writing and he's the one like, I'm gonna say it, I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, Some of you, you're spending time in sin and you're not, spending time looking like the Father. And the Father is light. And if there's things that you're doing, I'm gonna call you out on it because I don't want you to live that way. I know how it'll impact you. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So it goes, guys, walk in the light. And you are in the light, you have fellowship with God. And you have fellowship with one another. When you sin, you erode that capacity. When you sin, you bring this barrier in. And then verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He goes, everybody, search your heart. He goes, you know, if you think, man, I don't ever sin, you're putting up a front, you're lying. We've all sinned. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. Be honest. Be real. Be authentic. And then verse nine, and I don't know if you underline your Bible But if you do, underline verse nine, star it, highlight it, memorize it, whatever it is, because it is powerful. He says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, we all sin, we all make mistakes, right? 
But if we confess our sins, now this was written to believers, okay? This is written to people in church, right? This wasn't written to unbelievers. This isn't like a get out of jail free card. This was written to believers. When you sin, when you mess up, when you make mistakes, confess it. But here's the thing, everybody knows the power of confession, you know? I mean, even unbelievers. That's why, you know, you go to a bar and you confess to a bartender. Bartenders have this incredible ministry because they sit there and listen all day long to people's problems. If you're a hairstylist, man, you hear everything, right? Thank you, you've got an incredible ministry right there in your chair that's happening because people know I've gotta confess. I'm being eaten alive with the guilt. I'm being eaten alive with the shame. If you're a counselor, thank you. If you're a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you make such an impact and such a difference. We all know that there's health when we confess. But here's what the psalmist says, against you, God, and you only have I sinned. (laughs) And sometimes we confess, right, just to make sure that we don't have bad consequences. But really the depth comes when we go, you know what, I messed up against God. I've sinned against God, I wanna make that right. And he says, if we confess, if we just get it out there, if we share it, if we confess, we don't live with this guilt and this shame, we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just. Praise God. God doesn't get mad at you, he doesn't abandon you, he doesn't walk away, no, he is faithful. Now he's just, he's just, right? Because because there is a price for sin. It put Jesus on the cross. This isn't a cheap grace, right? Like Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. It's like, whatever you got, don't just carry that heavy burden. Don't carry that load. Don't be weighed down with the guilt and the shame. What have you done? Confess it. Bring it to the Lord. Be honest. Be real. Hey, and if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Every one of us, there's something inside of our hearts and our lives that we just say, God, I gotta give it to you. And John in his old age is going, guys, I've seen this ruin so many lives. I've seen sin ruin so many marriages. I've seen sin ruin so many churches. Hey, don't just keep it inside. Don't think you got it under control. You bring it to the Father. You be real and watch God bring healing and hope into your life, into your marriage, into your church, into your family. It's the best. That's where a beautiful life is lived, in the light. Ooh, all right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. I'd love for you to write down if you've got a worship guide uh, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. And I'd love for us just to write down some things today so we can remember those. Hey, Jesus is the essence of life. <laughs> you know, when John comes, he's writing about all this, but he's always talking about Jesus in life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life. So it's life here in Jesus, but eternal life. You know, we get caught up in all this, and this life is great, right? But, I mean, we're only here like 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, and that's it, right? But there is eternal life to come, and eternity goes on a lot longer than this life. But it's all found in Jesus, life here and life to come, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John was refuting a heresy called Gnosticism. Okay, so Gnosticism was this heresy that sprung up in some of the churches, And John's writing to them. And here's what Gnosticism was. It was this heresy that said, hey guys, listen, (laughs) the physical's gonna die, right? But the spiritual's gonna live on. So the physical really doesn't matter. In fact, Jesus was just 
spiritual. Jesus was here, but he was just spiritual because he wouldn't take on an earthly body. <laughs> and John's like, no, we have talked to him. I've sat with him. I ate with him. I've looked at the nail marks in his hands. You know what? Because if you just deny that, you're denying the cross. And you're denying all that Jesus went through. And you're denying the humanity of Christ, that he's with us in our brokenness, in our hurt, in our pain, that he was tempted in every way we were tempted, but he was without sin. And so John's like, guys, I gotta tell you this, that's not right. Gnosticism is not right. Gnosticism believed that physical is evil, physical body, since it will decay, but the spiritual is good since it will live on. So here's the implication that was happening in the churches back then. They would say, right, if the physical is just gonna die, but the spiritual is gonna live on, then I can do whatever I want to with my body. See where this is going, right? So it doesn't matter who I sleep with, it doesn't matter what I do to my body, it doesn't matter you know, what I smoke or what I drink, or it doesn't matter, right? I mean, because I mean, this is gone, it's gonna decay. And John's like, no, it matters. As Paul says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is within you, right? God places his spirit within you. He wants you to have a great life here and in the life to come. But sin impacts you here. So John's writing and going, guys, it matters what you do. It matters what you, you bring sin into your marriage, it's gonna matter. And you may, oh, no, 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 it won't matter. Yeah, it matters. All of it matters. John explains that both the physical and the spiritual are essential to life. You gotta take care of this body. You gotta do the right things. You gotta follow the Lord, right? It matters here, but also the spiritual. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus with the woman at the well, right? Yeah, you thirst for water here, but Jesus goes, I can give you living water. It's gonna last a lot longer, right? Nicodemus, right? Hey, yeah, there is physical birth, but there is spiritual birth. So Jesus is talking about both, and both of those things are important for us. It matters what you do with your body. It matters the impact here. It matters your thoughts. It matters what goes on, the desires of your heart. He's talking about all of it. All of it is essential to life. Jesus is the fulfillment of all life both life here and eternal life to come. And that's what John is trying to make this point. He's like, guys, churches, listen, disciples, followers of Jesus, live like God and not like the world. <laughs> live like God and not like the world. Not just go, well, hey, when I get to heaven, it's gonna be fine. Or, hey, if I sin, and maybe you've thought this sometimes, right? I'll go ahead and do it. God will forgive me. <laughs> All right, it's no big deal, right? I'm just gonna do this. It's no big deal. I know it's wrong, but... But God will forgive me. And John's like, no, 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 because there's consequences of that, right? There's consequences of the decisions that we make. And all of life is wrapped up in Christ. Uh, there's a guy who went to our church and moved to Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and I was texting with him. He's a basketball coach, and his team actually made the NCAA tournament this year. First time ever in the history of this college that they made the NCAA tournament. And he was so excited, and we were talking about how great it was. Well, they get to the NCAA tournament, they lose in the very first round, first game. And then five days later, one of his star players was killed in a car wreck in California. And I was texting him, just, man, I'm so sorry, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your team, I'm praying for your university as you minister there. He texts back, he said, thanks, Pastor Jeff, you know, he goes, um, it's been hard, it's been tough. He said, but I wanna tell you this, that that, that same guy, 11 days before, accepted Christ and I know I'm gonna see him again. I know we're all gonna be with him, and I am so thankful for Jesus. He says, I'm so thankful for Jesus. And I'm like, 
yes, yes. So live for Jesus now because it impacts eternity. Jesus is all of life. Okay, look at this. Beauty in life comes as you grow in Jesus. Beauty in life comes as you grow in Jesus. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Jesus leads us into true relationship with God and with others. That's what Jesus does. Holy God, sinful man. And in steps Jesus for us, right? Substitutionary atonement, Jesus took our place. Jesus paid the price to bring God, holy God and sinful man together that we could have fellowship with God that we can hear from the Holy Spirit, that you can have conviction in your heart. When you're starting to do something, you know in your spirit, right? If you're a Christ follower, you know, you're like, ah, I shouldn't do this. Why? That's the Holy Spirit convicting us and encouraging us. I should do this. I should do this. The leading of the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with God. It's not I made a one-time decision. God, I'll see you in heaven. I'm gonna go live for whatever I wanna live for. No, 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 no. It's my life is lived for the glory of God. But then also fellowship with others, <laughs> that we are a part of something bigger, that we are a part of something that's only God. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what John was pointing to. Hey, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, koinonia. And, and this is interesting, right? I, I, it was interesting to me, so I'll share it with you. But I mean, like, I mean, if you go back and you know that the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew translation to Greek is called the Septuagint, okay? The word koinonia is not used there at all in the Old Testament. Why? Because it was in the New Testament Jesus came. (laughs) And Jesus came to bring us fellowship. That we're in right relationship with God. We're in right relationship with others. There is joy as you grow in your relationship with God and with others. And I think that's something that's so important for us to know. You know, the Bible talks about restore to me the joy of my salvation. You remember when you first accepted Christ? Aren't you so excited? I mean, you're like, yeah, I want to tell people. I want people to be at my baptism. I want people to be there. I mean, last Sunday when we had baptisms, it was awesome. All these people we had baptized and the whole gallery's packed and somebody's baptized. It's like, yeah, everybody's clapping. It was exciting. I mean, it was awesome. And, And you want that joy every day. Now, there's ups and downs in life, yes, but the constant is the Father, that God is with you, that God is for you, that you have joy, that you have joy. Now, John, I think, is writing this from experience. He's writing this from experience because he's seen this in his own life. And he is growing in his relationship with God and wanting to share that. You see, we are called to mature spiritually. And as you mature, there ought to be a depth and a richness to your relationship with God. Doesn't mean it's perfect, right? It doesn't mean there's not up and down. Doesn't mean we've learned everything. No, 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 we're continuing to grow. So John and his brother James fishermen. These guys were business guys. These guys were outdoorsmen. These guys were pretty rough around the edges, let's be honest, right? Jesus calls them, says, come follow me, and they go to follow. And Jesus starts to work on their heart. Jesus starts to work in their life. And I imagine, I imagine, you know, these guys were pretty tough. You know, I imagine that they probably had a jar uh, with them, and Jesus had it, and he said, okay, every time you say a cuss word, you gotta put some money in here, right? That's probably how they funded the whole trip, right? I mean, I don't know, here's some denarii going in, and, and John, you know, God's just working on his heart, you know, all the time. There's a story in here where the disciples go through Samaria with Jesus, 
And you remember a couple of weeks ago, they went through Samaria and they met the woman at the well and Sakar, the whole town comes out and they give their lives right. It was just amazing. It was just awesome. The Messiah, Jesus is there. But there was another time they go through Samaria and you remember the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other, like literally hated. And so they're going through Samaria. They come to this town and the town's like, no, get out. We don't like Jews. You guys leave. And John and James go to Jesus and go, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven and just like wipe out this whole town? Jesus is like, really? I mean, haven't you guys learned anything? I mean, like, love, right? Love your enemies, right? Are you here for that whole Sermon of the Mount deal, right? I mean, it's like, where are you? And you just see this process in John's life of spiritual maturity. You see this process. Can you see it in your life? Not that we're there yet, but maybe there were times when you used to just blow up and get angry, and then you're like, you know what? Hold on. It's not that big of a deal. This relationship is way more important than me getting my way. (laughs) And you watch that happen with John and you just see him mature and you see his life change. You see what God does through him in the church. And at the end of his life, right after his exile on the island of Patmos, the the legend is that they would bring John back in his old age and they would carry him in a chair and they would bring him to churches and they would set him down front and and everybody's packed in and, and he would just say this, Little children love one another. Little children love one another. You know, I mean, just that wisdom. Like, I've lived this life. I want to tell you what's important. I want to tell you what's valuable. Hey, I want to encourage you guys, you know, what makes your joy complete is when you share your story. And so I don't know. I mean, John's writing this letter to the churches, but I just encourage you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, right, or you're an aunt or an uncle, write down your story. Give it to the next generation, Share with them the things that, that you did well. Share with them some of the things that you didn't do well. So that, that would encourage them, like, hey, don't go down this path. I'm telling you, I made some bad decisions when I was in high school or college or whatever. But listen, I want you not to have to go down. I'm telling you, it would be such an encouragement. My wife, Lisa, she keeps a journal for all three of our girls, and she's been writing, you know, all the time. Like, I can see her, you know, two or three in the morning, and she's up. She's just writing a note, writing a letter, and she's like, I'm going to give it to them on their 18th birthday. I'm gonna give it to him, so don't tell him, okay? I don't wanna ruin the surprise, but, uh, but she's gonna hand that to him. And she's like, I want them to know, I want them to know. You have this opportunity, I have this opportunity. Pass it on, share the joy, share the struggles, but point them to Jesus. That's maturity, that's maturity, and that's what John's doing. All right, look at this one. God created you to live a beautiful life. God created you to live a beautiful life. If, now notice that word if, right? Because if we confess, there is a sovereign God, but we've got the free will, are we gonna confess or not? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Sin keeps us from experiencing the life we were created to live. Sin keeps us from that. And a lot of people back then didn't want to talk about sin. A lot of people today, nobody wants to talk about sin. You know, we want everything, the happy, yay. You know, but, but there is this thing of sin. And maybe in your life, there's a struggle that Satan has gotten a foothold. And maybe it's anger. You just blow up. It's rage. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. I, I don't know. But I know that Satan doesn't have to create new temptations for us because many times we won't deal with the ones that we are dealing with. We won't bring those to God. We won't confess. But it erodes that capacity for intimacy. And see, Satan wants to get a foothold in your marriage. He wants to get a foothold, right, 
in your family. He wants to get a foothold there. And, and so these sins keep coming up. And at some point, we go, no, I want to confess that to the Father. God, I don't want to live this way. God, I want to give it to you. Be real. We're all dealing with something. What is it? And grow from it. But there is forgiveness for sin if we confess. And that is an amen, yes, because that is forgiveness. Guys, we don't have to carry this guilt. We don't have to carry this shame. And so many times we do it and we weigh down our lives and we weigh down our marriages and we weigh down the people around us because we've never given it to God. And when you give it to God, here's the thing what you find is you go, I'm gonna give it to God and God's gonna be mad at me. No, he's not. God's gonna forgive you because of his grace and the mercy of the cross of Christ. And he's gonna remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers your sin no more. So you don't remember it. You move forward. You go on in life. You be a blessing to others because there is forgiveness, forgiveness. Hey, the grace of God purifies us. <laughs> oh, yes. And we are purified. You know, so often we look and we go, well, I'm just a sinner. That's all I am. I'm just a sinner. That's, we kind of define ourselves that way. But see, when you're in Christ, you're not just a sinner. You know what you are? You're a saint. <laughs> what if you started looking at that? I'm a saint. Not by my own merit. No, no, no. Jesus redeemed me. Jesus restored me. Jesus made me new. I'm gonna say you start to live that out. You start to live in the positive and not the negative. You start to live for the glory of God and not just the sinful desires of the world. Makes a difference in you and how you live. Hey, a beautiful life is lived in the light. (laughs) It's lived in the light. The light of the glory of God. I I wanna tell you there's a, a story that John records only in the Gospel of John. It's not recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's only in John, John chapter eight. And it's a story, maybe you've heard it. There was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Now, I can't think of a more vulnerable place in anybody's life. I mean, that just, it was a trap, it was a setup. And they rush in and they grab this woman and they pull her out and they take her to Jesus. And they, they put her in front of Jesus and they were trying to trap Jesus and they were using this woman. It was so sad. And so they take you can imagine she's crying. You can imagine she's got a bed sheet she's covering up. You can imagine just the, the hurt, the pain, the guilt. And now you've got all of these men around there with stones. And they're trying to trap Jesus. So they say, Jesus, what should we do with this woman? The Old Testament tells us that we should stone her to death. The Old Testament says because of her sin, she should die. And so they think they've got Jesus right here, right? Because if Jesus says, yeah, stone her, that's what the Old Testament says, then all of a sudden he's like saying, hey, kill somebody and he'll be arrested and he'll be taken off to jail. But if he says, no, 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 it's no big deal, don't worry about it, you know what, then they're gonna say, what, who are you? You're not the Messiah, you're not the one dealing with scripture, what in the world? So they think they've got Jesus, but what does Jesus do? He bends down, he starts to draw in the sand and then he looks up. And he says, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Whoever's without sin. And so often in our lives, we can spend time judging people or condemning people and it's like, ah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at me. And John records that all of a sudden rocks begin to drop and people begin to walk away. From the oldest to the youngest. John put that in there, from the oldest to the youngest. I think older people, they go, you know what? I've lived a lot of life, I've made some mistakes, I'm gonna offer grace. I'm gonna love the people around me. 
Sometimes when we're younger, we're more prideful, more arrogant, you know, it's like, hold on, hold on. But pretty soon, everybody walked away. And now it's just Jesus and this woman. And he says, where are those who condemn you? It's like they're all gone. He says, well, neither do I condemn you, but, 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 <laughs> go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Leave that life, leave that old life. You are new, you are a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, don't live like this. Jesus redeems, he restores, he makes things new, he makes things right. You know, last week was incredible with Easter, it was awesome. Two weeks before that, I gotta tell you, it was a really tough week for me. I had three funerals in one week, it was tough. All people that are in heaven now, godly people, and I'm thankful. They're already there, they're already there. I mean, one was in their 40s, one was in their 50s, one was in their 60s. And every one of them had an impact on so many people. I think about what happened two weeks ago as we had the funeral here for a guy in our church named Jeff Woodford, 53 years old. Husband, father, amazing, amazing man. And you know the saying that says, live your life in such a way that your pastor doesn't have to lie about you at your funeral, right? I didn't have to lie about this guy. Man, he loved Jesus. Love Jesus. He was always greeting out there at children's check-in and an orange UT pullover, right, and just smiling, every time smiling. Such an encourager. And listening to his childhood friends talk about, yeah, they said, you know, even in middle school and high school, he never said a bad word about his parents. He never said a bad word about anybody. He was a Christ follower, and he just lived it. He loved it. He loved Jesus. The hope that he had in Christ. It was just like he lived that. And, and I stood at that funeral and I watched as his 14-year-old daughter stood right here. His 12-year-old son stood right beside her and she talked about her dad, how her dad loved the Lord and how her dad loved his wife and her mom, how her dad loved her, how her dad loved Jesus and how she was so proud of her dad. And the 12-year-old just putting his arm around his sister and I just thought, wow, Wow. You know, guys, we don't know how many years we're gonna have on this earth. We don't. But it's not about the number of years we have. It's about what you do with those years. It's about what you do with those years. Are you gonna live your life for Christ? Are you gonna live your life for the things that matter? Don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in running after all these things. Don't let sin come in and get a foothold in your heart or in your marriage or in your thought life. You know, and it just plants those little seeds of doubt, of insecurity in there. No, no, no. You live as a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You live your life for however many years you have for the glory of God. You know, I want more time with Jeff. I do. He's my friend. I miss him. But you know, I'm gonna have eternity with him. Eternity, I believe when I get to heaven, he's gonna be there in that orange pullover, right? UT pullover, just welcoming us all in, giving us a bear hug and saying, hey, this is incredible. This is life. And I don't wanna miss a moment right here for whatever time I have here to bless the people around me, to love the people around me, to live my life for the glory of God. What about you? What about you? I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, the word of life is here. Jesus is here. 
He is present. He is the resurrected Savior of the world and Savior of your life. Maybe today is the day of salvation. You just go, man, I've been living for the wrong things. I want to live for Jesus. I want to have fellowship with God. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, redeem me. Maybe today there's been some conviction. Maybe there's some sin. And you think nobody knows about it, right? I mean, but you feel the weight, you feel the guilt, you feel the shame. Today, would you just bring it to the Lord? God, here you go. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Maybe Satan's got a foothold in your marriage. And right now, you just go, get away from me, Satan. (laughs) I want to bless my spouse. I want to bless my kids. I want to serve them. I want to be the man or the woman you created me to be. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. (laughs) And God, you're writing a story in every one of us. Just like you did in John, when you called him (laughs) and you redeemed him, you restored him, and you used him, God, for your glory. God, use us. None of us are perfect, (laughs) but we're pursuing you. So meet us in this moment and change us forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.